0: my attributes and the skills that I felt that I developed through a professional rugby career and including teamwork, drive and all those attributes that make you a sports person that's what I spoke about and I said you know I've got really strong family values and I kind of I was very honest about what I felt I could bring and I said I've got no corporate experience that is what I need to develop
1: Well, that was really honest of you going into those relationships.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's when you can build a strong relationship with people, I feel,
1: you know, you can be open and honest with them. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely agree that. In fact, that's one of my life lessons. I live by that in terms of, of relationships. And so when you speaking to this person at the company, he was in the process of convincing you that recruitment was a good spot for you. Hello and welcome to the Second Wind Podcast, a podcast show where I, Ryan Gonzalez, former professional football player turned banking strategist and now life coach and the CEO founder of the Second Wind Academy, invite you to join me in a series of talks with sports people from around the world across various codes and disciplines as they share their stories of transitioning from a career as an elite athlete into a career beyond sport. Did they leave behind skills or did they bring certain sporting skills with them or was it much more about what they had to learn? In short, let's find out how they found or indeed plan to find their career second wind. These are stories of elite sports people, but they are people after all, and I believe that these stories are going to be of interest to those inside and outside the game. Let's be inspired by the stories of others. Today's guest on the show is Chris Alcock. Chris uh, retired in mid-2020 from a bruising professional rugby union career in Super Rugby and over in Japan. He was lucky enough to play for the Waratahs, Brumbies... Force and also in Japan play for Suntory, but in total notching up over a decade at the top level, which is a great achievement. Now, Chris and I are catching up over a coffee here in Sydney and are just about to press record on the rest of our conversation on transitioning out of the game, especially at a time where the world has, was locked down in this COVID pandemic. There are some nuggets that are worth sharing, so please do listen on. Well, Chris, thank you for joining us today on the Second Wind podcast, about unleashing your second wind. Really glad you could come down. And look, today we're just gonna have a super simple chat. Basically your story, what the transition has been like for you and where we think things might be going next. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. All right, absolute pleasure. So one of the things I really like to get an understanding of first is really your sporting story. So just tell us a little bit about that. All right, try and be
0: pretty brief. So I guess mine's a bit different to most people. I wasn't, you know, that prodigy kid that comes through the ranks and, you know, was gonna be a rugby player right from when I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. I played second grade through school. I played Colts rugby for Gordon. Then I moved into their second grade open team, and it was from there I actually got selected to play for the Waratahs as my first contract. So I was, I think, I played two first grade games and managed to get my contracts that looked that way. So a bit different than most people, and ended up playing for eleven years across three different teams in Australia, two teams in Japan, and
1: yeah that's it (laughs) yeah well it sounds like it was a good career though. it
0: was a great career definitely a lot of highs a lot of lows got a few more injuries than Mm. what i would have liked and that was part of the main decision um, why i ended up deciding to look at my next
1: opportunity yeah so just before we talk about that so how long were you playing professionally across australia and japan
0: so it was 11 seasons so just under 11 years and then majority of that was for the western force and west australia but got to have um, one season with the Brumbies in Canberra and then three seasons with the
1: Waratahs in, in Sydney fantastic that's yeah. brilliant so now you mentioned this moment this watershed moment as I speak to many players there's nearly always something that starts to say ah. Oh, hold on, I'm not going to be playing this sport forever. I'm going to have to think of something else to do. What was that moment for you?
0: It wasn't so much, what am I going to do next? It was more so I ended up having quite a bad injury in 2019. And after about 10 months of rehabilitation, I got back out on the field. And I just suddenly realized I didn't want to make tackles anymore. And that's the main part of my game. So from that point onwards, it was kind of like, okay, what am I going to do next? With myself. And I'm still on that journey at the moment. I've tried a few things, especially uh, recruiting for the last 18 months. But I'm definitely on the journey
1: now of trying to
0: figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Well, that's certainly something I know we can talk a lot more about. And so thinking about the process that you went through from I'm injured. Hold on, I don't want to tackle people anymore. Well, actually, what else was happening in your life at that time?
0: Yeah, so I just got married. I had a three month old when I made that decision. Mm-hmm. We were obviously living in West Australia at the time, and all our family was in Sydney. So it was quite a big decision to quit rugby. And I had a young family, relocated back to Sydney, where I didn't have a network like I did in West Australia. And it's, you know, it's, everything's been a bit up in the air for the last two years now
1: right
0: right yeah so
1: what were the first steps that you made
0: so first steps was actually informing the club that i was not going to be renewing my contract and from there um, i approached one or two of our actual sponsors at the team. They were, you know, large organizations that had locations all around Australia. So I thought they were a good organization to get in contact with and and just discuss what I wanted to do next. And ended up speaking to the director of recruiting for Australia and New Zealand. And he eventually convinced me that with my personality, recruiting would be a good starting point. Yeah. So, what made you go to speak to the sponsors? So, I had actually built up a relationship with them while being injured because, as part of our deal with the sponsors as the injured players go and speak to them in in the corporate boxes during games. And I built up quite a good relationship with this particular sponsor and they often requested for me to be in their box. So I just thought it was a really strong starting point was, you know, to use my network that I'd built up through rugby and just explore options. I went in with a very open slate. I talked about me and, you know, what I felt I could bring to the table and then it just kind of moved from there.
1: How did you know what you'd bring to the table? You rugby player, you've been doing that for over a decade, how well, did you know? Corporate-wise,
0: I didn't have a clue, not a clue at all. It was my attributes and the skills that I felt that i developed through a professional rugby career and including teamwork, drive and all those attributes that make you a sports person, that's what I spoke about and I said, you know, I've got really strong family values and I kind of I was very honest about what I felt I could bring and I said I've got no corporate experience that is what I need
1: to develop well that was really honest of you going (laughs) into those relationships
0: yeah well I mean it's when you can build a strong relationship with people I feel you know you can be open and honest with them
1: yeah absolutely definitely agree that fact that's one of my life lessons I live by that in terms of of relationships Now, being an elite sports person is a life defining moment, often the culmination of years of hard work, sacrifice, and dedication, but it doesn't last forever. To transition careers is never easy. It's even harder when it comes from a career you grew up believing you were born to do. I commit a good part of my week to working with elite athletes on how to be equipped for that career after the game. To help them, I truly believe in the power of storytelling. Each week, I invite a guest to the show who shares their unique sporting story. We explore what identity they carried with them, what mindset did they need to tune into, and how do they determine and balance what's important in their life. If you're ready to figure out what's next for you, then schedule a conversation with me at the Second Wind Academy. Drop me an email to chat at secondwind.io and so when you speaking to this person at the company he was in the process of convincing you that recruitment was a good spot for you
0: yeah well actually speaking to someone with Australia and he passed me on to the director who was actually based in Sydney so i had two or three teams calls with him just talking through different scenarios different things mm-hmm. and then you know got to meet him in person once i relocated
1: yeah Okay, so when you look back at that process that you went through, was that the only avenue you went down or did you look at others as well?
0: I looked at others, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I approached certain recruiters in the market that, you know, there's certain companies that Mm -hmm. help athletes transition into the corporate world. I tried to reconnect with a few people from my school network and stuff like that, but this was
1: definitely the warmest lead, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, listen, I think that's a fantastic that you're able to use your time in the sport to establish those relationships and what you've demonstrated there, it sort of worked out for you. If you think back to the conversation where he was trying to convince you that this is the right time, what types of things was he saying to sort of convince you?
0: So, yeah, that's quite a while ago now, but it was after just talking about, I love building relationships. I guess similar to you. I think rugby is a very strategic game and you learn to really think on your feet and I like communicating. I'm resilient from, you know, hours and hours of training. So it was just kind of those points where you said those are, you know, the key attributes that we look at mm-hmm. in recruiters. It's got that competition side of things, you know, you're trying to make that sale. Yeah. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure about it, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So it was an opportunity. It was the middle of COVID. I, I yeah. kind of tried to take it with both hands.
1: Yeah, good man. I love the way you said that take it with both hands. It's yeah. a very rugby analogy. So <laughs> that's good. So when you look back at the process from, I guess, that realization that you didn't want to tackle the change in your family through to that job, what were some of the lows during that period? A lot of lows.
0: It's still a roller coaster at the moment, but, you know, it's for. The majority of my adult life, I've been a rugby player. You know, I've never done anything else. I've never had another job besides being a rugby player. And, you know, walking away from essentially your family that you've built there with your training day and day out with 45 other guys, to walk away from that and having to start a whole network again, Mm -hmm. it's been quite hard. Yeah. And then just there's always that doubt in your mind going, can I do this? I think every player that I've spoken to has kind of had those moments where they sit there going geez i used to be so good as this and now i'm going in the corporate world and i'm at right at the bottom of the pecking order and you sit there going like can i do it and that's a constant battle mentally that i think until you feel like you've really conquered your next career that you're going to have every day
1: right and so in the game of rugby when you have those sorts of lows you turn to your teammates your manager talks to you. the coach talks to you where do you get that now it's
0: quite hard working from home (laughs) i've spent i think six to eight weeks in the office with my team so i don't know them incredibly well in person i've got a really good manager and i think it's because of her. I've probably persevered as hard as I have with recruiting because she's been really understanding and she's tried to help me work through those doubtful moments, those kind of things. So a lot of credit to her. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Definitely look for that. So now when you consider, understand what that the first week of the job was like for you, you know it was horrible
0: (laughs) still getting used to sitting down all day but my first week was i got thrown right in the deep end where like we're going to get you making calls if you think about it for too long it's just going to get worse and worse and worse so we're just going to we're going to get you making them you're going to get situations where you're hung up on or you're going to get told to bugger off all those kind of things but they just said like you're either thriving or you're going to sink with the ship. So they didn't want to sugarcoat it. Like, this mm-hmm. hard part of sales. yeah, And it was horrible. I mean, I, I think my first three phone calls I got hung up on and seemed
1: to this is not a great start. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine. And this is... Here I draw a comparison, I think. So if you think about your rugby career, 11 seasons, you think about your own win ratio. What do you think your win ratio was as a player? Not the highest, no. <laughs> I had
0: two or three really good seasons out of 11 in Australia. And then both seasons in Japan were actually really good. But Western Force was one of the lower teams, about four years I was there. So it was really, you know, having to build that teamwork. And we essentially were starting from the bottom and trying to work our way up. So we were actually really good at playing the top teams, but we struggled against the bottom (laughs) team.
1: Do you see any parallels between that sort of win ratio, having to work your way up to work your first year and a bit in recruitment?
0: Absolutely. I think, you know, there's... You've got to think about the way you're doing things. How can you improve at a faster rate than your opposition? Essentially, that's what you're trying to do when you're a bottom-ranked team. You're trying to look at innovative ways to improve. I had to think of new ways of keeping people on the call, you know. Some of the roles I was recruiting for, they're like, you're you're the eighth recruiter to call me this week. I don't want to speak to you. (laughs) It's about being engaging, but not being too pushy, I guess, recruiting. And I was trying to figure out how to connect with these people and get them the information I want to give them
1: before, you know, they turn me down. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Get in, hit them hard yeah. and, uh, and move on. So yeah. Getting good comparisons or good comparisons. Yeah. So when you, so now you're in the role, the transition is, is happening, I suppose, for you. When you look back and you think of your career you think of the friends who you grew up with are there any you know you look at what you might have sacrificed what are the types of things you feel you sacrificed during your sporting career that your friends who didn't have a similar career didn't have to go through
0: yeah you, you
1: sacrificed a lot
0: I mean I wasn't able to go to my sister's wedding for one example and there's numerous weddings I missed of all my friends if it's on during the rugby season the priority was rugby so you really lose a bit of your network if you're away from home and all those kind of things. I look at all my friends that, you know, I started going to university back before I started rugby. They're all directors in companies and I'm right down at the very bottom kind of thing. So, you know, it's it's been 15 years kind of thing and they've progressed incredibly with their, their career and, you know, they're in a really good situation where, you know, I'm starting from scratch again.
1: Yeah. How does that make you feel? It's hard.
0: Yeah.
1: It's really hard.
0: But on the same side, you know, I've got connections that are directors in in certain companies and I'm now having to build up those networks again because I'd lost touch with a lot of them and it's an advantage at the same time because I know all these people but you know, I need to build that network with them again.
1: That's such a positive outlook, positive way to think about it. And you know, I don't want to think about it, you know, <laughs> 10 years ahead of me. So. <laughs> I guess it's all about that yeah. journey and what is success and what is it that you've achieved in your career that yeah. they probably still continue to look at with envy, you know, the opportunities you've had through sport. Yeah, I think many people would love to have that.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've had a fantastic career in rugby where I got to travel the world I got to play a game that we, you know, I've, I grew up loving I, I didn't think I would ever get the opportunity I did. <laughs> you know, my brother was the, the better rugby player out of us. <laughs> I was just in the right place at the right time, so to speak, and you know, I fought hard to keep my position and stay in rugby as long as I did. Yeah. So
1: is there anything that you would change? I would.
0: I know it's very hard with a rugby career. You don't get as much time as everyone thinks you do. Mm-hmm. And when you are, you're absolutely buggered. But I would think about what I wanted to do after rugby more. Mm-hmm. I kind of just put it on and go, I can do that later. I can figure that all out, you know, when I get there and just really realizing how far behind a lot of my friends I am in the corporate world, I, I wish I thought about what I wanted to do more. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, yeah. But rugby-wise, and you know the choices I made to play the game, I no, wouldn't change that.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Listen, and so a couple of last questions, really. When you think then of that corporate career, I'm assuming you had dreams as a, a young rugby player of what you might achieve. Coming in now to the corporate world, do you have that vision? Do you have the same aspiration?
0: I'm still trying to figure that out. Being you know, doing a bit of soul searching. I've got some ideas of a direction I want to take, but I haven't locked anything in stone at, at this stage.
1: Well, that's great. Well, I'm going to say thanks for sharing your story and, and some of the reflections with us today. I'm sure there's a lot more to do for you. And I'd love to have you back in uh, maybe a year or so and understand how your second wind has continued um, to flourish. Th- thank you. Thank you for having me thanks a lot thank you for listening to the Second Wind Podcast we hope you enjoyed hearing insights from today's athlete on transitioning out of competitive careers if you're looking for career clarity for your next step make sure you check out SecondWind.io for more information or to book a consultation with me I'd like to thank Claire from Betty Brook Design Nancy from Savvy Podcast Solutions and Cerise from Copying Content by Lola for their help in putting this podcast together that's all from me take it easy until next time Second Wind Academy specializes in supporting individuals who are looking for their second wind in career. The key thing is to remember that reshaping your career, recrafting and transforming your career is a team sport. So don't do it alone. If you're thinking that I might be able to help, then please get in contact with me through my website on www.2ndwind.io. That's www secondwind.io. It's also in the show notes.